Well, good morning and happy Easter, everyone. I'm really glad that you guys are here. For those of you who are here in the house and uh, those of you who are on the backstage patio, thank you guys for being there. And if you're joining us online, whether now or sometime later, we're glad that you guys are here as well. My name's Todd, if I don't know you. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here and really excited that you're here on Easter 2022. What a beautiful day. It feels like summer out. And uh, so I think the uh, people on the backstage patio are probably getting a suntan while we're in here. All right, so anyway, glad that you're here today. Day. Uh, for um, just wanted to let you know that we have our app that was mentioned before, and on that app you can navigate there, and uh, you guys can find notes to today's message, which uh, pretty much is just the uh, passages today. But you guys can follow along there. You can get your Bibles out uh, if you have them and turn to John chapter three. If you have none of that, that's fine. You can uh, look on the screens. The verses will be on the screens today. We are in a series this Easter that we had planned it this way, that we would lead up to Easter. Our series is uh, a series all about uh, uh, renovation and, and how God does this work of, of really renovation and, and restoration in our lives. And so he does the work of restoration in our lives. And it's week six of our series. Uh, for those of you who haven't been with us for a while, I want to encourage you to go back and, and get caught up, uh, go online and, and get caught up on those previous messages. But God does a work of restoration and regeneration in our lives. And when he restores something, he makes it brand new. When we try to restore something, and I say try on purpose because I don't do very well with restoration projects. Uh, but when we, try to, when we do restoration projects, uh, we make something look new. And God actually makes it new. And there's quite a difference there. And so we're in, here we come to week six, our, our sixth, week in the, sixth week in this series. And we have taken a look at how he restores relationships, how he restores through his word, how he restores and how rest is a part of restoration and how we can uh, be restored by the renewing of our minds. And today, I think we're going to be taking a look at what I think is the most obvious uh, work of restoration that God does, but maybe the one that some people miss, and that's the work of restoring us to new life. And that's what Easter is all about anyway, isn't it? It's about new life. Because those people who went to the tomb that day, they went to the tomb to see the body of Jesus. And what did they find the tomb? It was empty. And they found the tomb empty. And that meant that Jesus is alive. And that's what we celebrate on Easter is that he is risen from the dead. So let's dive in and take a look at how he can bring us restoration and bring us restoration in our new life, maybe a little bit of a different life that we may think of. And so John chapter 3, and I'm going to begin today by reading this story about this character that might be uh, someone that you may not have heard of before. Maybe some of you have heard of him. We're going to read every verse in all of the Bible about this character and you'll still get to lunch on time, all right? I promise you. Because the sum total of the verses in the Bible about this character by the name of Nicodemus um, is really found in just three passages in the same book, the Gospel of John. And so we're going to read all about Nicodemus, the whole story, but I won't keep you long, I promise you. So uh, we'll take a look at John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15 as our jumping off point today. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. I want you to remember that. In fact, why don't you say it with me? This man came to Jesus by what? 
by night. We're going to come back to that in a moment. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God. That was an interesting thing, and I'm going to come back to that as well. We know that your teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one is, say that, those next two words with me, unless one is born again. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, this is the second time he said, truly, 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 I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. He says, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And in verse 9, Nicodemus digs a little further. He said to Jesus, how can these things be? How can these things be? Be. And Jesus answered him. He said, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you don't understand these things? I love the sarcasm of Jesus every once in a while. Some of you who are sarcastic, you can you can tell your friends, you know, if they're like, you don't need to be so sarcastic. They're like, Jesus was sarcastic, all right? Just don't be mean, all right? So anyway, so he says, he says, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? And then he says it a third time. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. And we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And he ends in verse 14 by saying, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I love the story. And you're going to see the connection to resurrection in a minute, although it may be obvious to, to many of you. Nicodemus had an interesting path to Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, your path to Jesus is probably different and unique than anyone else's. That's the way it goes. God uses different things to point us to him. It may be the home we grew up in. It might be later on in life. It might be a person that points us to Jesus. It might be a thing that points us to Jesus or a circumstance and a situation that points us to Jesus. And and it may be that you had a hard time coming to Jesus or maybe it was a fairly clear path. For Nicodemus, his path to the Savior was incredibly difficult. In fact, he should not have even been having this conversation with Jesus. Because it tells us right out of the gate in John 3, 1, that he's a Pharisee, and it also tells us that he's a ruler of the Jews. See, there were several different parties, several different groups of people, not like 
fiesta party, but like parties as far as divisions of people in the Jewish community. And some were called Pharisees, and they were the people who were, were, they would point out and they would know the law, and they would point out the law when it was broken by someone else. But they could often break it, and they wouldn't point the finger at themselves. And then there was a group of people called the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin were, was essentially the Jewish Supreme Court. And our guy Nicodemus, he's a part of both of those parties. He's a part of both of those groups of people who are rulers of the Jewish people. They're in Jerusalem and in the whole area. And so this man was incredibly powerful. He was on a great career path. He probably knew all the right people. He probably rubbed shoulders with all the right people that gave him the path to that power. And he is meeting with Jesus, who is a rabbi who came with a different message than any of these other Pharisees and, and Sadducees, which is a whole other group, and rulers of the law, the Sanhedrin. Jesus was really, as we talked about last week, threatening the status quo of the religious Jewish leaders. And he was a threat to them. And so the fact that Nicodemus is even talking to Jesus at all is part of the great miracle, if you will, in this story. The fact that he's there talking to Jesus is really amazing, and he shouldn't really even be talking to Jesus. This would be like, you know, Nicodemus probably could have gotten in trouble in terms of his career, in terms of his status, because if they saw him meeting with Jesus, he would have been in trouble. And so here's the way I picture this going down, is Nicodemus was a Pharisee and part of the Sanhedrin that wanted to know more about Jesus. He was curious. He had his curiosity about Jesus because he heard what the Pharisees and the other Sadducees said, but he saw his ministry and how much he loved people and how he talked relationship with God, not rules, is the path to knowing God. And he also challenged all the rules and said that he was coming to bring completion to all the rules. And so Nicodemus, he was curious, genuinely curious, and he probably could have gotten in trouble uh, with his friends and with the group of people, the party that he hung around when he went to visit Jesus. And so I picture him in Jerusalem kind of asking people, hey, you know the rabbi Jesus? Where would I find him? Where do you think I could find him? And they might respond by saying, go to the temple. He might be at the temple. He might be out, you know, in the food court. He might be, you know, grocery shopping, all right? He might be on his way to his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and they live in Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem. Go visit him there. Okay, well, where is he at night? Because I need to meet with him in secret. And they probably would have said, you know what? We've seen him late at night in the Garden of Gethsemane getting away from the noise of the crowd, pulling away from his disciples to be with his heavenly father, to spend time praying, to have this time with God, to, to spend time in God's word and talking back and forth to God. And he would go into the Garden of Gethsemane to do that. It was his alone place. How many of you have an alone place where you can get away from the noise of your house? Go ahead and raise your hand. Let's be honest this morning. How many of you, whether it's in your house or in an office or your car, all right, Men, the bathroom, all right? So anyway, I'm kidding. That was for all the kids and families. Anyway, so the ones, you who are not raising your hand, it's just because you don't want to let your family know that you have one of those places, all right? So, and rightfully so, because you don't want to be interrupted, right? Right, moms? You don't want to be interrupted. 
in your time alone. And side note, side note, this one's free. <laughs> if Jesus, God's son, needed time with his heavenly father, how much more do we need time with God? It's vital. It's vital. It's vital. And so Jesus finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I'm sure he's praying, talking to God, and all of a sudden, he probably hears his name. Hey, Rabbi. Oh, great. <laughs> Rabbi. And they begin this conversation, and this conversation was critical in the life of Nicodemus, but it is critical in, in history. It's critical all throughout human history. It's critical for us today in 2022 in this garden of Gethsemane. Check this out, the conversation, verses 2 through 4. He came to Jesus by night. One pastor said the whole story should be called Nick at Night. <laughs> that wasn't me. I think it's pretty corny, but kind of funny. Anyway, the man came to Jesus by night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're from God. We know that you're a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. See, I think the first thing that Nicodemus was curious about with Jesus was how in the world could he have performed all these miracles if he's just a rabbi? This rabbi is different. And he risked everything to go to the garden to talk to Jesus, even at night. Jesus answered him in verse 3. We already read that. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus connects being born again with the kingdom of God on purpose because Nicodemus had just said, you must be from God if you're performing all these miracles, if you're doing all these amazing things. But Jesus adds these two words, born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, verse 4, said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? That's a fair question, isn't it? It's okay to shake your head. That's a fair question in church on Easter 2022. It's okay to say that is a fair question to ask Jesus. I would have asked that question, wouldn't you? If we had never heard that phrase, born again, we would have been curious too. What does that mean? I don't understand. Maybe, maybe Nicodemus was confused. And he even goes further and he says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Nicodemus was confused by Jesus' words, but here's something for us to learn. He was confused, but he also kept a hold of his curiosity. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening or watching or here in the house or out on the backstage patio, and maybe you're not yet someone who believes in Jesus and the whole God, Easter, Jesus, dying on a cross, rising again from the dead thing is hard for you to understand. It's okay to be confused. Please never stop being curious. Never stop being curious about God. Never stop being curious about finding out more. And I love that Nicodemus dives down. He digs deeper with Jesus. He doesn't stop because if we want to get out of a conversation we stop asking questions, don't we, guys? <laughs> we stop investigating any further, don't we? If we're like, oh, I don't want to hear this anymore. Okay, okay, okay. All right, cool. 
which is interpreted, I don't want to have this conversation anymore, and I'm admitting that, okay? All right. Nicodemus wants to go further. He keeps asking questions. Go down to verse 9. He said to Jesus, how can these things be? Curiosity. He was genuine in his curiosity. How can this be? I don't understand. What are you trying to say here? And of course, at this point in time, Nicodemus is thinking logically. He's thinking mechanically. Remember that word. He's thinking mechanically about what Jesus said. He's not catching the spirit of what Jesus said. And so Jesus answered him with the funny, you know, sarcastic remark, aren't you a teacher of Israel, but you don't understand these things. Then he says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We've borne witness, borne witness of what's going on. We've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. I've told you earthly things. You're not going to understand them, so why are you going to understand heavenly things? But you know what Jesus does in verse 12 right there? He makes a distinction between the physical and the spiritual. He makes a distinction in this whole conversation between physical life and spiritual life. He essentially says to Nicodemus, I'm not talking about the physical life. I'm talking about the spiritual life. And that is of utmost importance. Because Jesus is trying to drive home that there is a spiritual life. And I believe that Nicodemus ended up believing. Some people, in addition to calling him Nick at night, some people call him a spy. Maybe he was a spy sent by the ruling parties of the Jewish leaders to kind of get Jesus. They were known for doing that, weren't they? They always played the gotcha game with Jesus. Maybe he was a spy. Some people thought he might have been a coward. He wanted to believe in Jesus, but he wanted to go at night so that no one would see him. And I think that's true, but I don't think he was a coward. I think he was genuinely curious. And we see him later, and the reason I don't believe that he was a coward is we see the other two passages in Scripture that mention his name is in John as well. It's John 7, and this is as Jesus is, is being charged with these phony, false claims, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus because the ruling people of the law of Israel were meeting together, and they were going to punish Jesus without really giving him a testimony in his trial. And look what Nicodemus says in verses 50 and 51 of John 7. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, the rulers, and he understood the law, and he would have been uh, someone that would have understood uh, all things about the law. He said to them, does our law judge a man? without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? He was essentially saying, hey, guys, what we're about to do is not legal. We need to let him testify. <laughs> and, of course, we know that Nicodemus didn't win that argument because they sent Jesus to the cross anyway. But he stood up for Jesus, didn't he? Somebody that doesn't believe, especially a leader with those group, that group of people, if they don't believe, they're not going to stand up to defend Jesus. Hey, let him testify. I believe by that point in time, Nicodemus had chosen to be born again. He chose to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then we see later, after Jesus had died and Joseph of Arimathea gave his tomb and buried Jesus, in John 19, 39, Nicodemus also had earlier come to Jesus by night. John makes sure that he, uh, uh, that he verifies that this is the Nicodemus that visited Jesus. 
came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. If Nicodemus had continued to be antagonistic toward Jesus, he wouldn't have spent all that money on these burial supplies for Jesus. Are you with me? I believe that this man was a genuine, curious person who at some point in time chose to believe in Jesus. Matthew Henry, great theologian and scholar, said, although now he came by night, afterward he owned Christ publicly. Boy, there's something for us to learn in that statement. Christ follower, isn't there? Do we own Christ publicly? Do we stand up for him and the things of him publicly? Nicodemus did. So should we. Now back to this message that Jesus was giving to Nicodemus. It's this phrase, born again. And again, more honesty in church here. If I really am honest with you, I think that the phrase, born again, has probably been overused and misunderstood. Would you agree with me on that? Like when we hear that phrase, born again, there's a certain group of religious people that kind of come to mind. Am I right? I was a poli-sci major uh, and graduated many moons ago. I won't tell you when I graduated from college. But we studied uh, different elections. And that phrase was used in the 1980 election by a candidate, by a presidential candidate, to gain voters. And it's been used in every single election since. Misused, misunderstood, and overused in our world. Anyone who wants to be called a born-again Christian, that when it, they will be called a born-again Christian when it benefits them. But when it doesn't, they run from it. And so the phrase being born again has been changed. It's been, it's been twisted and turned. And, and it, it doesn't mean what it meant, what Jesus meant. And, and we understand it from the actual phrase that was used. The phrase born again means, and it meant, to be born from above. This was a new spiritual birth when Jesus said that in John 3, 3. He was talking about a brand new birth, a spiritual birth. I want you to think about the date of your birthday for a second. Think about the date of your birthday. Because we're going to say, all of us are going to say our birthday dates out loud. And you guys are out on the backstage patio. I'm going to ask you to join in on this too, okay? You're going to say it out loud. You're going to say your birthday date, all right? When I say to, you're going to say it out loud. Um, and you're going to say it so that everybody around you can hear it. Because if they forgot about you this year, maybe they won't next year, okay? All right, so on the count of three, let's say our birthday dates. Ready? One, two, three. March the 1st. I'm the only one that has a mic, so March the 1st. All right, so anyway, all right. <laughs> That's your physical birthday. It's the date that you came into this world. Here's the thing. There's also going to be another date one day. It's after the dash, right? After the dash for all of us. For all of us. Some of you are like, what a downer on Easter, Todd. <laughs> it's not. It's not because of what Jesus is talking about. Because while my physical birthday is on March 1st and yours is when yours is, here's the thing. That's not the real birthday we should be concerned about. A real birthday is a time when we came to faith in Jesus 
And at that moment, we were born again into eternity where there's nothing after the dash. It's eternity. It's of that most importance. And so even though the world and culture has misused the phrase being born again, it is vitally important for us to understand. And the first thing to understand is, is that if we are to be born again, that means we came into this world spiritually dead. That's the default. We come into this world spiritually dead. And Paul, the apostle Paul, talks about this. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And in verse 4, he says, But God, I want you to hear this, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, or that's a big word for sins, he made us, what's that next word? Alive. He made us alive together with Christ. And he says, by grace you have been saved. Let's skip down to verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of, what's that next word? Works. It's not a result of works. So that no one can boast. And so we were brought into this world spiritually dead. But here's the good news. We can be made spiritually alive. We can be made spiritually alive. Not because of anything that we do on our own, but because of what Jesus did on Resurrection Sunday. We can be made spiritually alive. And we can have a new birth date that means so much more than our earthly birth date. It's a birth date that lasts forever. John 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so what is required for us to have spiritual life? Well, we must be born again. We must be born again. And Jesus does all of this with Nicodemus to set the stage for his message that most of you have probably heard and seen, and maybe you've considered putting your faith in him because of this message. Maybe you've not, or maybe it disgusts you because you see it plastered in so many places. But he was being sincere, and he was being loving when he said in John 3, 16, when he says, for God so loved the world. This is the next thing he said after he talked to Nicodemus about being born again. He said, for God so loved the world that he, what's that next word? He gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And most of the world stops right there, but I want you to see the next two verses. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. Hmm. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's the crowd, that's the crew that Nicodemus came from. They were condemning the world. Well, we do that to each other, don't we? <laughs> we even do that to ourselves sometimes. But God doesn't, and he didn't. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son 
of God. Born again. It doesn't have to have the negative connotation that the world and the culture has put on it. It is deeply spiritual. And it connects to Resurrection Sunday. Because Jesus rose again from the dead. And because he rose again from the dead, we can have a new life. We can be born again into a new family, into a rich inheritance. (laughs) We can have heaven with Jesus forever as a result. Some of you may not like the family that you were born into. Don't raise your hand on that one, please. (laughs) Some of you may not like the circumstances and the family that you were born into, and you had no choice in the matter, right? Some of you are like, amen. But this being born again, you have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in the matter if you don't like where you came from, if you don't like the family you were born into, but you also have a choice in the matter. Listen, here's something that may be more meaningful. I know it is to me. Maybe more meaningful to you. You have a choice in the matter if in your life you've made some decisions that you wildly regret. (laughs) And you feel like, man, I I just need another shot. (laughs) You have another shot. You can be born again. We, in the golf world, those of us who play golf, we use mulligans. How many of you know what a mulligan, well, first of all, raise your hand if you know what a mulligan is. You know what a mulligan is? All right. Most of you know what a mulligan is. A mulligan, for those of you who don't know, is when you're playing golf with your buddies and you hit a really bad shot and they throw you another ball or you grab another ball and they say, hey, just take a mulligan. And some of us do it. How many of you have had a mulligan or taken a mulligan in the last three rounds of golf? I'm raising my hand. Okay, raise your hand. All right, very good. All right, thanks for being honest in church. That's good. Good for you guys. All right. Much more honest than the first service, by the way. (laughs) And you take another shot. You have a mulligan. Some of you take one per round. Some of you take one per nine. Some of you take one per shot. (laughs) They don't do that, by the way, at the RBC Heritage. Those guys can't take mulligans. (laughs) But you can you can. You get another shot. Because the worst decision and the worst mistake, worst judgment call that you could ever make or have ever made in this life can be all undone by making the one decision that really matters. And that's the decision for eternity. To choose to be born again. And I know that some of you may have grown up in, in a religious environment and you feel like, man, if you look at my scorecard, all the boxes are checked off. I did all the right things. I went through all the right religious ceremonies. I attend church every Sunday, almost every Sunday, twice a year, whatever it may be. I do all the right things. I'm kind, I'm nice, I serve, I give. None of that. None of that, listen, I want you to hear, none of that makes you saved. None of that makes you born again. None of that gives you eternal life with God one day. The only thing that does is to make it real in your life and believe and believe sincerely and to move past making it cerebral and to let it penetrate your heart and choose to believe. This past Tuesday, I believe it was, the uh, 
uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes has a, uh, yeah, it was, I'm sorry, it was Wednesday. Fellowship of Christian Athletes has a Christian heritage breakfast. And it's an amazing thing that happens on the Wednesday of the RBC Heritage. And they, I don't know, 1,200 people, 1,500 people are there. And they have a speaker. And the speaker this year was Stuart Sink, who won the Heritage last year. And he's a great guy. He's been a Christian for a long time. But he spoke this week, and he was interviewed, and, and he, they asked him about his, his faith journey, and he told how he came to Christ, and then he said, but here's the thing. I love this phrase. He said, here's the thing. For about three years when I was kind of starting getting interested in Jesus and curious about God, he said, I understood the gospel message, the death and the burial and the resurrection. He said this, but I understood it mechanically. It hadn't yet penetrated his heart. It hadn't become real. It hadn't become full of life. And then he gave up and he said, I want to make this real. I want this to be a part of who I am. I want it to be all of who I am. And he went from a place of it being mechanical to it being incredibly personal and passionate. And that's my prayer for you is that those of you who have never been born again, that today would be your day, day of salvation. And for those of you who have been a Christian for a long time, been saved for a long time, and maybe it's just gotten kind of old and maybe mechanical, that you would be filled with life. That you would look back on Easter 2022 and say, man, that's when my spiritual life really engaged. And I've never been the same since. Jesus' message to Nicodemus, born again. It's important. It's personal. But man, I'm so glad that we can be born again. Before I pray this morning, I want you to check out the screens. They say you can perform miracles, that you have seen the kingdom of God. You can see the kingdom of God. But you must be born again. Born again? How can you be born again? You must be reborn. Not in the flesh. But in the spirit. where it wishes. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is when the Spirit enters you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Believe in him and you will have eternal life. If you've never been born again, my invitation, my challenge to you is to make that decision, to believe, to believe that Jesus did die on a cross 
and he did it to take away your sins. Believe that three days later, people showed up at the tomb and he was gone. And he was gone so that you could now have eternal life. Believe that God was redeeming humanity from the beginning of human history. And that he loves you so much. He wants you to be spiritually alive. He wants to see you in eternity. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and uh, it's going to be a prayer of, I call it a prayer of salvation. And uh, for those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray that prayer along with me, just quietly, just you and God. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I, I will, when we're done, ask you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you and over you. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never been born again, my prayer and my hope is, is that you would move from a place of being confused to a place of curiosity and someone who may be a skeptic to someone who is saved beyond the shadow of a doubt, like Nicodemus. And that Easter 2022 will be your banner year spiritually. Would you pray with me right now? Oh God, you did so much for us. You did so much for us on the cross. You took away our sins. You shed your blood. Your body was beaten. You were mocked, humiliated. They laughed at you. And you willingly went to that cross for me, for us. And God, I thank you for that. We can't imagine what you went through. Thank you for, for dying there on the cross to save us from our sins. And, and God, I thank you that three days later you rose again from the dead. We thank you. Thank you for doing that so that we can have life one day when we are done here on earth. And Father, I pray for those who may be in this place, in this house, out on the backstage patio at home, listening online, wherever they may be. God, if they have not been born again, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would lead and reach them. If you want to make the most important decision that you will ever make, it's not a decision that will last a lifetime or even a few years, it's a decision for eternity. If you want to make that decision to be born again, to believe in Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. There's nothing magical about these words. It all has to do with the intent of your heart. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to quietly pray this to God if you want to receive salvation. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for bringing me to this place today and loving me enough to die for my sins. And thank you for rising again three days later so that I too can live forever I choose to receive you Jesus to be my savior and Father I thank you for anyone who prayed that prayer Father I thank you for anyone in this room out in the backstage patio at home who may have prayed that prayer in fact I just want to with every head bowed and every eye closed if you prayed that prayer or something like it would you just look up at me and raise your hand for just a little bit so I can see you and pray for you awesome Anyone else? That's awesome, guys. Anyone else to my right? 
left. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. That's awesome, guys. Father, I thank you for those who in this room said yes to you today, God. I thank you that they entered a new life. They entered a life into eternity today. I thank you so much for that decision. And Father, may they be anchored to your word and may they be anchored to, to a church that helps them in their faith walk. And Father, for the rest of us who made that decision a long time ago or maybe it was not too long ago, Father, I pray that we would live our lives in a manner worthy of the sacrifice that you made on the cross. God, that we would live a spiritual life that's not old and tired and worn out. But Father, help us to live our lives understanding in the spirit of the fact that you have made us new. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of eternity. Father, we thank you for the gift of the resurrection. And now today, we give you praise for what you did on that cross and what you did by rising again from the dead. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said, amen.